0: what's going on everybody Wesley Shoemaker Aaron Parker back with you today it was about the worst case scenario could have gone down in Lubbock went down this past weekend in Lubbock and now the Mountaineers are turning their attention to number seven TCU so a lot to get a lot to get into a lot to talk about start here with me um it was ugly on Saturday they uh Mountaineers couldn't get anything going on offense when they finally got a couple stops on defense in the first half there. Uh JT Daniels and company did them no favors. Injuries piled up. Um and it uh it felt like any life this team had, it is like if they feel it it just feels like this team is dead now. Um and they head into a big homecoming matchup, top 10 team coming in here, and it feels like everyone thinks TCU is gonna roll over the Mountaineers. So um just Aaron start with this uh Texas Tech besides obviously how bad it was um just mm-hmm. your just your thoughts kind of into specifics on the game
1: this was a very depressing loss to be quite honest with you you know i've I've seen plenty of no shows if you will over the years and even a couple well more than a couple um since two thousand nineteen but that that one was bad I mean forty eight to ten to a you know, an unranked opponent. And Texas Tech is a good football team, but we're not talking about a top 10, top 15 team here. We're talking about an unranked team, giving up 48. Um, I mean, what, were they six or seven for seven on fourth downs before the Mountaineers I ever think got they, I stop?
0: think they started six for six on fourth down, and then yeah. they had that one finally stop where they brought the house, it felt like. And uh, they finally yeah. got a stop, but then they couldn't really do anything with
1: it. It just, it just felt like the Mountaineers never had a chance, and that's not, that's not something that should be happening. Um, especially coming off a big win against Baylor, um, you know, just from the get go, I think in the last podcast, you know, I, I talked, you know, Mountaineers got off to a bad start. It could it could have gone ugly, and it got way uglier than I ever imagined. So, um, whatever Texas Tech wanted to do, they did. Um, you know, they ran really fast, um, up tempo like we expected, but um, it's almost like WV didn't watch film on them. Uh, I know they did, but it, it didn't look like they did. So, just a pretty depressing day all around.
0: Yeah, I felt like the biggest thing for me was we talked about how whichever team had the best first quarter would win. And it was, I think, 14-3 after the first quarter. And then we also talked about how West Virginia is going to be able to capitalize on Texas Tech mistakes because they're going to run so many plays, they're bound to make mistakes. And let's go back to the third play of the game, I think it was. Aubrey Burke's interceptions in his hands can't make the play. Fumble on the ground, can't make the play. Another fumble on the ground, can't make the play. Fourth down, you're about, you look like you stopped them. You can't make, We can't finish the play. So, the plays were there to be made, and as we said, like, you're going to have to take advantage of when they give that to you. This defense did not. They did not really make a single play all day that was positive, especially in that first half, and the offense, man, they were horrible. Um, Like, they couldn't move the ball 10 yards it felt like and i don't know there there was a real questionable call there when it was fourth and 10 at the 29 and you decide to go for it on fourth and 10 when your offense just stalled for three plays in a row and then you have casey leg who can kick like i i I don't know It, it was a lot of just parts of that game that was that were frustrating, that didn't make sense. You kept running wide receiver screens when you had the one that went for 19 yards to Sam James on, like, the second or third drive of the game. And then after that, you couldn't get more than one yard or two yards on a screen. So, it, like, it's it's more than just players. It, it has something to do with play calling. It has something to do with just – I felt like once they got down, they just stopped trying. And, I mean – big opportunity obviously this week but I, I it's going to be a tough one if they're going to pull out the win this week against TCU
1: yeah I mean is a good football team um, you know on paper they look better than Texas Tech obviously two different teams um, you know I think Texas Tech runs more plays than just about anybody in the nation but um, you know on, page, on paper is better so it is scary um, you know and especially like you said the team just kind of looks dead and you know that sounds depressing and you know it's like they just beat Baylor the week before but that team did look dead and now what tony mathis is out um charles woods is playing limited snaps committers out there's a lot of injuries and you know a lot of people are down on this football team so you know you're going into homecoming week if there's any life you got to show it and you got to show it early because if you don't if you don't come out ready to play early i mean it, it could be you know something like the texas tech game where you know you fall down early and you got no shot
0: yep yeah, let's talk about injuries real quick um it's not it's not good if you're a bounder fan simply that's the easiest way to say it so Tony Mathis he will be out um CJ Donaldson will get the start good for him Justin Johnson Jr he got hurt and his status is still up in the air um offensive line James committer out again Wyatt Milam uh Brown said he does feel good that Milam will play committer i don't think he has a timetable moving forward which is also not a good sign at all i bet he's out for possibly the rest of the season at this point so we only got about a month left um charles woods should be able to play but he'll still be limited rashad ajay out mccormick should be back so still that's three of your cornerbacks right there and that's that's a hard um Lance Dixon will be out at your spear position. Sean Martin should be closer to 100%. He did not start this week. He did play. He was not himself, though. So that's the big, kind of the big hitters there. Um, another thing that we should talk about here is JT did like if there's a track record here with TCU and facing backup quarterbacks and a couple dirty hits here and, not saying TC is dirty, but JT Daniels needs to be on lookout alert, especially with this piece together offensive line. If, um, if TC starts bringing pressure, cause, um, Sonny Dykes today s- or yesterday said that they're going to have to bring pressure and make JT Daniels life uncomfortable and move his platform. And so against this piece together, offensive line, things could get ugly in Morgantown if they're unable to protect him. And he needs to be careful. He's kind of had a couple injuries in the past, obviously. So, um, that's one thing I'm looking out for this week is, is, is will JT Daniels stay upright and stay healthy this week against TCU?
1: Yeah, you better hope, you know, you better hope so as a Mountaineer fan, you know, there's, um, you know, I think last week Jaquay Hubbard and, and Jordan White got the start and, you know, they're, they're, they're young players and, and they've, um, you know, they've, they've been exposed a couple of times. And then even Brandon Yates, he's, you know, been here a little bit longer, but at that tackle position, You know, he's let up some sacks over the years. So, uh, you know, you do worry about it. And especially if Milam is playing maybe limited snaps, um, he's experienced, he's strong, he's talented. So, and then Gmitter, is like a fifth-year senior. So, yeah, you do worry about that. Um, And, you know, JT Daniels, while he played a bit, like, like you can call it what it is, he played a bad game against Texas Tech. But as far as consistency, JT Daniels is one of the best, probably top five players on this Mountaineer team as far as consistency, Um, So you don't want to see him go down, especially at home on homecoming, Um, especially the way this team's going right now. You don't want to force in Garrett Green or, you know, a freshman.
0: Yeah, I just, I I mean, I'm worried because they're thin up front. They're thin in the backfield. JT's going to have to throw the ball around a lot, I feel like, this week. I just, I think that's just the personnel that they have this week available. And so you have to play to your personnel and their personnel is, they will have one healthy running back out of their top three, possibly. Um, they will have at least one offensive lineman out, possibly two. Um, and they're playing the best team in the conference, the top 10 team in the country, a team that is trying to possibly make it to the college football playoff. They're undefeated. They're 7-0 right now. And I don't think a lot of us had our eyes on TCU as a game that West Virginia could possibly get blown out in at home, but unfortunately for West Virginia, when you're dealing with a guy like Max Duggan on the TCU side, who only has one interception the whole year, um, things could get dicey for the Mountaineers.
1: Yeah, I mean TCU is a team that was definitely not on my radar. Radar, and there's been a couple of times in our pick 'em games where I've said, you know, I don't, I'm not a believer in TCU. I don't think Max Duggan can take him to the promised land. And I sound pretty stupid, honestly. I mean, when you look at it, he's been really good. He's been at TCU for what, at least three years, 19 touchdowns compared to one pick. Offense is scoring about 44 points a game. Seems very impressive. And like, I just looked at their schedule. I mean, they've, they've, the last four games were wins against ranked opponents. Now, you know, obviously the first two was Oklahoma and Kansas. They're no longer ranked. Um, so you can take that with a grain of salt, but they're still good football teams. And then, you know, they beat Oklahoma State in double overtime, who I thought is the top of the conference before the, the season started. Um, and they had another good win last week against Kansas State. So, you know, uh, Sonny Dykes has proven to be a good coach. I mean, he has a good track record with with SMU. And I don't know, I just, I guess I didn't think that jump from SMU to TCU would be that smooth in year one. But, you know, credit to him. He's done a great job.
0: Well, for me, it all starts with Duggan. And Duggan wasn't really supposed to be in this spot, if you really want to be honest here. Like, he got beat for the starting quarterback job after being the starting quarterback the last couple of years. Because Dykes came over from SMU and he wanted to have a new starter. Sure enough, starter gets hurt. Here comes Max Duggan. And he has, I think, propelled himself into the Heisman conversation. He has definitely, like, earned his shot at possibly being Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Like, there's he's lined himself up and this team is rallying around him. And he can do it in the air he can do it with his legs he's so versatile and he can beat you different ways and it's just like it could be a challenge because if you let's go back to Kansas dual threat quarterback there I'd say Jalen Daniels of Kansas is a lot more explosive than Duggan but Duggan still has that speed and the Mountaineers struggled all afternoon so things like there's a lot of negatives coming into this game. I think the biggest problem for the Mountaineers is Max Duggan on that offense with the way your defense has been playing.
1: Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, he's, he's been very good. I think, um, you know, maybe my criticism towards him, I, I've watched a lot of Big 12 football over the past couple of years. And while he's been at TCU for the past you know couple of years, I've got to see a good bit of him. And, um, you know, he showed a lot of flashes, went down to Texas and beat him. I think that was about two years ago, played a great game. Uh, but he seemed to not really, you know, put it together. He would only have a couple big games per year, and then he looked very vulnerable. But now this year, I mean, it's like he's pieced everything together. He's making hardly any mistakes. So, Like I said, one pick compared to nine, 19 touchdowns. Horn Frogs are, you know, putting up 300 passing yards a game. So clearly he's figured something out to where he can be consistent, consistent against all Big 12 teams, the ranked ones, um, the unranked ones, and, you know, a whole man away, you know, get it done. So that's scary um, because, you know, even – even when he was struggling a little bit, you know, I knew the talent was there because of, you know, his dual threat ability, but I thought, you know, I guess I just didn't think he'd put that consistency together and he's done that so far.
0: Yeah. Let's just talk about passing 19 touchdowns, one interception for Duggan passing and on the ground, he's rushed for almost 300 yards and four touchdowns. So he can beat you both ways. And also Quentin Johnson's Johnston, like, He's a dude on the outside. He, against Kansas, man, he just torched the Jayhawks. 14 catches, 206 yards, and a touchdown. Like, I was watching that game, and I was like, oh, my goodness, he is a problem. And so, with Charles Woods Limited, with this secondary being what it is, um, I don't know. Like, TCU can hang 50 on the Mountaineers easily. But I also will say this, that the Mountaineers' offense, I mean, besides Texas Tech, has shown up in almost, I'd say, every game but Texas Tech. So, I mean, if you want to say they're due, that's a term I, I think. Like, if they're due, this is the spot that they're due in. And so, hopefully for the Mountaineers, they get that break on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, and I think with, you know, how the team's struggling and with the injuries you got, I mean, that gives chances to a lot of younger guys. I mean, you got C.J. Donaldson making the start, and obviously he, you know, hasn't been the same since that texas game he hasn't had as many chances since then obviously he's only played in in the texas tech game but um jalen anderson former four star hasn't ever really got his shot here um you know was kind of a late enrollee last year so was only part of the lifting program this is his first real season and has he got much action no he, he really hasn't um you know when J. dixon came in from clemson over the off season, and he was removed from the team so like Going into the season, I thought Anderson would be, like, you know, either transferring or be, like, the fifth back or something like that. Here we are homecoming week against number seven, and he's potentially your number two back. Um, So, you got to like the opportunities for some of these guys. And, you know, hopefully there's some guys that have been uh, warm in the bench that are maybe younger that have the talent, and maybe they can go prove it now.
0: And I also keep saying this about the young guys on the defense every week. At some point, like, they can only go up. Like – I mean, I don't mean that – I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just saying that when you're young and you're a true freshman or a redshirt freshman and your first game action is you're thrust into and you're facing these top-notch offenses of Kansas and Baylor and Texas Tech and they're running 100 billion plays and doing things zigzag, up, down. You know what I mean? Like there's so many things to think about. And at some point you're just bound to figure it out because there is talent there. And it's just a matter of the talent finally getting – to where it needs to be and i think that that fourth quarter against texas tech they played a lot of a lot of young kids and so hopefully that helps like every minute of experience every snap helps for these guys and hopefully at some point it clicks if you're the mountaineers and wouldn't this saturday be a great time to do that moving on let's talk a little bit about kind of just the big 12 where they are in general so um Little standings update will go 10 to 1 right now. Um Iowa State 10, West Virginia 9, Oklahoma 8, Kansas 7, Baylor 6, Texas Tech 5. All those teams are 500 or below in the Big 12. Texas 3 and 2 at 4, Kansas State 3 and 1 at 3, Oklahoma State 3 and 1 at 2, and then TCU is 4 and 0 at the top of the conference. So everyone besides Texas and kansas has only played four conference games so still five more weeks to determine who will be going to dallas but i mean based on the looks of things for me i think tcu is probably going to be one of those two teams ending up in dallas and oklahoma state beat texas last week and then they've got a big one against kansas state this week but i don't know texas tech could sneak in there baylor could sneak in there um even texas could so a lot of opportunities just kind of Give your thoughts on the state of the Big 12 right now.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's very up for grabs. I, I mean, right now you you look at TCU and you, you know they they look to be pretty dominant right now. But you know you, you can't you can't count out the, the Oklahoma State's of the world and and even Texas and and um, and Kansas State. I kind of like Kansas State. I really thought they'd pull it out against TCU this past weekend. Skyler Thompson or not Skyward Thompson? He's moved on. But um, oh shoot, what's their quarterback? Name?
0: Will Howard played.
1: Yeah, Will Howard. I mean, he came in. He was the starter against WVU in 2020, and he didn't look very good then. So he came in and had a good game. They just couldn't hold on. Um, Adrian Martinez was their starter, and he got hurt. My bad. Uh, but, you know, Deuce Vaughn, that's a decent team. I thought they pulled it out against I mean, TCU. They
0: were up 28 to 10. And then yeah. just like, just like TCU just stormed back in the second half. And if, like, let's look at TCU's games. I mean, Oklahoma, they blew the doors off the Sooners. Like, I think that was our first revelation of, like, oh, my gosh, like, TCU is legit. But they've had to have some second-half comebacks this year. And I think the biggest one, obviously, was evident this past week. And Sonny Dykes, like, he acknowledged that. He said, we can't just keep doing this. Obviously, against Oklahoma State, like, they outscored Oklahoma State 14-0 in the fourth quarter and won by three in overtime. So things like this. Like, if you have – TCU on the ropes and you can somehow have a lead in the third fourth quarter like hopefully at some point they can't just keep coming back because it's hard for teams to come back especially on the road and so if you're if you find yourself in a close game or up late I I I although is the better team I just think that at some point something's got to give with all these comebacks they have and I think that's advantage Mountaineers.
1: Yeah, you'd think so at some point that, you know, they would bend and eventually break in a game, especially if they're down a couple of scores in the fourth or third quarter. Um, but what that shows me is just that shows me a well-coached, um, you know, resilient football team that's, you know, going out there. And even though they're down a couple of scores late, they're not a, they're not only hoping to win, they're they're still really confident they're that they're gonna win. Um, that's something that maybe if you would ask me before the season, I would have put that on maybe Oklahoma State or Texas or something like that. Maybe not TCU, but you know, credit to Dykes for that. Um, as far as the Big 12 goes, I still like Oklahoma State. I mean, it's hard for me to pick against them. I know they lost to TCU, but that's a road game. Had TCU on the ropes, you know, um, you know, hung in and uh, and beat Texas this past week. They're six and one. And I still like them to make you know a good shot at redemption because they came one yard, like a half yard short of winning the Big 12 last year.
0: Real quick, I think you just said something, and I think that's it's very relevant to this West Virginia team hoping to win compared to expecting to win. And I think your TCUs of the world, your Oklahoma States of the world, your Texas of the world, they expect to win. And I think West Virginia right now, they hope to win. And to me, that is the biggest difference between the teams that are at the top of this conference and that are in the middle and the bottom of this conference is there are teams, there are three or four teams that go out each and every week and they expect to win. No matter who the opponent is, no matter where they're playing the game, no matter if it's 30 degrees and snowing or if it's 100 degrees and sunny. And West Virginia has does not have a track record right now under Neil Brown that they expect to go win. They are hoping they win Saturday, but I would say if this was under Dana besides 2013, you expect to win a game against a top 10 team that has shown some flaws at home at homecoming, in your own place. And I think that is a problem, how you can't expect to beat good teams in your conference at home. You should win almost all of your home games each year. Um, And West Virginia at this point is hoping just to win against the worst teams in the league. And that's the biggest difference for me when we compare these two programs and these two teams is the difference between hoping to win and expecting to win.
1: Yeah, you make a good point. And if you were to ask the coaching staff, they, you know, they'd probably get mad at you and say, No, we expect to win here at West Virginia. But in reality, you look at the track record and you know, that just that doesn't line up. And what you said, I think West Virginia does not have a track record right now under the Neil Brown, you know, era that they expect to win, especially against a top ten team, you know. Um, and like you said, you made a good point with the Dana Holgerson era. You know, some of those teams were, you know, kind of maybe you could say mediocre seven and five,
0: but I mean, I mean, even in 2013, all... what Oklahoma State came in here, they were what, 12th yeah. in the country, 11th ever... in the country, yeah. and the Mountaineers beat them. 2014, Clint Trickett and those dudes, they beat Baylor, who was number four at the time. Like, there's just a difference in defending your home turf, they did then to now.
1: Yeah, no, you make a good point. I was about to throw out that Baylor, uh, just a second ago, and then even the worst team under Dana's regime beat number 11 oklahoma state so um they they did expect to win obviously before dana you know the rich rod days and Bill through. they expected to win at home as well um it's just not like that right now like you said in the big 12 at least there's always these teams that always have an expectation of winning no matter who no matter what the weather no matter what the time of day and you know i put oklahoma state in that category every year with my gundy um before this year i put oklahoma in that category every year down year, everybody left, new administration, I get it. Um, I'll give them a year or two. But for the most part, Oklahoma's right there too, and and to a degree, Texas, and just West Virginia's not there right now. That's a sad fact, but it's reality.
0: And I think for West Virginia, the most disappointing thing from this Texas Tech loss was, we like we talked about it, we felt like this team had turned a corner after Baylor. We felt like, okay, they figured out the blueprint to success – although it might be giving up 500, 600 yards a game, if you can get two, three turnovers here and flip the script there, that's how you win these ball games. And sure enough, the whole team just comes out flat. And I don't know. it's Road games are different than home games. I get that. But at some point, there's just like – it just it's just like the same thing over and over again. And it's the same, oh, this team looks good. They beat a quality, solid opponent in Baylor – they go on the road to a team that has the exact same record as you and they lay an absolute egg and it just can't keep happening. And if you lay an egg this week at home, there's there's going to be a lot of upset people within the program that, that you're, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. You can't, you can't go get blown out on your home turf this weekend.
1: Absolutely not. And I think that's, you know, from my perspective, you know, watching over the years, that's the worst part about this era is the laying an egg and the no shows. I mean, this team's unranked. Texas Tech was unranked. You're coming off a big win, and you no-show, and you get beat by 38. I mean, that's embarrassing. Last year against Baylor, you no-show. Uh, you get killed. This year, there was already another one. This year, Texas. You go out there, um, and you're down 28-zip. I mean, how many – in Oklahoma in 2019. I mean, this is under the same era, and there's way too many no-shows. Kansas State last year, uh, the kind of Stormtrooper game there's too many times where they're out there laying an egg and they're not even giving themselves a chance. And the worst part is they're not
0: laying egg. Like last year, the best team they faced on the road was Oklahoma. They lost by three. And like, it just doesn't make sense. What Like how sometimes they show up and sometimes they don't, I don't get how, some days are different than others, and yes, I get it's hard to be the exact same and be as good as you were last week, next week, and every week's different. But at some point, something's got to give with this team, and something's got to give with this coaching staff because it's been the same guys. This is year four, and like the clock's about to strike midnight almost because there's only so much time you can give these, give this, these coaches, give this staff before. It's like, okay, we, we've got to start over because it's obviously just not working.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, I think you're right with that. And just like like you said, you know, it's a different monster, you know, going on the road. But at some point, complacency is just, you know, we, it's not good enough. I mean, under this era, the road games, I mean, in 19, I think they won three. But, like, tech, TCU was down and they got that win. Kansas was Kansas back then. They weren't, you know, Lance Delipold era Kansas. Um, I think under this era, they've had, what, four, maybe five Road Big 12 wins? Is that what we're looking at? Um, Let's see. In 19, there was Kansas State and upset. They were number 24. Kansas TCU, TCU 21 at Kansas last year. I can't think of any more.
0: Last year at TCU as well.
1: At TCU. Okay, there you go. That's it. TCU, TCU Kansas, and you get one outlier of a ranked Kansas State opponent.
0: And, and in 19, they beat TCU on the road as well.
1: Yeah, I said that one. But they that TCU team 20, was hot. In 20, it was no
0: one. And Nobody. then In 21, it was Kansas-TCU.
1: Yep. And that, and that TCU game, that win prevented TCU from going to a bowl. So not, not a quality team that year. Kansas was terrible in 19. Kansas wasn't that good in 21. I just – you got to give me a road win every now and then. You know, I know it's hard. I know it's a big 12. But every now and then you got to expect a road win.
0: And let's look at these road losses. 38-7 lost to Missouri in 2020. 52 to 14 lost Oklahoma in 20 and sorry, in 2019. Um 52 to 14 lost Oklahoma in 2019. 38-17 lost Texas Tech in 19. In 20, it was the 42 to 6 game against Iowa State in 21. It was the 24 to 3 blow at home, to Oklahoma State. It was also the 45 to 20 route at, on the road against Baylor and then this year it's 48-10 at Texas Tech. Like there it's just it's not there but the one thing I will say let's let's just try and get back to this week while we're here is there's a little bit of pressure on TCU this week and that they know they have to have this game they know that on their schedule they still have Baylor they still have Texas Tech and they still have Texas following West Virginia in three of their final four games and so they have to win this game because if they lose this game, that's a loss they're not supposed to have heading into the Big 12 title picture. And if you're West Virginia, you're not supposed to win this game. You've got nothing to lose, and so I think playing loose and playing free because you have nothing to lose compared to TCU possibly having to play a little tight, pressing a little bit when they don't have to. If things get close, I think that is also advantage West Virginia.
1: You make a good point, but with this TCU team, what I, I mean with with the wins they've had and what they've shown me, they don't seem like a team that's you know. Um, how do I say like maybe holding on for dear life? Like, oh, we just you know squeaked by this game. We you know, they look like a good football team that's well coached and consistent. You know, I I just didn't think that would be TCU coming in, but that's what they that's what they show me. Um, so I know it's kind of maybe you can call it a trap game. W WV is not supposed to contend with TCU. TCU is not supposed to lose this game. It's in Morgantown homecoming. I just I don't I don't think TCU is going to come out flat because, um, know, yeah, I don't know it's it's a new era. Gary Patterson was su- successful there, but I think it was time to move on. And Sonny Dykes is doing a good job. He's got a veteran quarterback that's playing good, good football. And I just, I don't think they're going to come out flat.
0: Mountaineers won four straight against the Horned Frog, Something to keep in mind. Let's get to picks. Um, let's. I
1: picked, I picked Kansas State to beat TCU, so I'm sure you, you're still ahead of me.
0: I am still ahead of you. I have not calculated records, but I went four and zero last week. You went three and one. Three total games on the list this week, uh, two outside of our game. Um, first, we'll go Kentucky at Tennessee. I'm going to just take Tennessee. I think Tennessee, I mean, things don't look good because they could lose to Georgia and then still not be in the SEC championship, which is bonkers to me. I think divisions are stupid, but that's a different conversation for a different day. I'm going to take Tennessee at home against Kentucky.
1: Yeah, Tennessee outright on that one. I um, you know, I don't know a ton about um, Kentucky, but I know Tennessee is really good with Hendon Hooker, um, and that Virginia Tech transfer at, at receiver. So yeah, I'm going to go them.
0: Uh, and then Oklahoma State, Kansas State. As we were talking about earlier, uh, both teams are three and one in the conference. This game is in man is in Manhattan. Um, Kansas State blew a loss, blew a lead last week in a loss and. They're they're searching. They got to get this win big time. But I'm going to take Oklahoma State. I think their win last week is going to set them on a track to the Big Twelve championship.
1: Now, some important information is Adrian Martinez healthy.
0: I have no idea.
1: Ooh, now I'll go Oklahoma State if Adrian Martinez is 100. Part of me wants to go Kansas State because it's in Manhattan, but I'll go Cowboys.
0: And then for our game, you go first on this one: TCU West Virginia.
1: Um, like I said, I just. I don't think TCU is going to come out flat. I don't think they're going to let the whole trap game um, mindset affect them. I don't think WVU is going to come out and lay an egg. It's at home, you know. You know, they beat Baylor at home a couple weeks ago. I don't think they're going to get enough. Going to get it done uh, down the stretch. I think JT is going to be pressured. I don't think he's going to get injured. I hope not. Uh, I do think he's going to get pressured, make a couple bad throws. After even if he doesn't make bad throws, I think he'll have to throw it away a couple a couple times on third, on third down. So I, I think TCU comes in and gets it done. I'm going to say 38, 24.
0: West Virginia has no business winning this game. And that's exactly why I think West Virginia does win this game. It's the most West Virginia thing in the world for them to win this game. And I just think somehow, some way they do it. I think JT figures it out. I think this offense is uber productive. I think, they're going to be pissed off from last week, and they're going to have a show. I think the 12 o'clock kick does everything but help TCU. Um, They're only an hour back, but still, um, you're moving your body ahead. And who likes playing at 12 o'clock? Absolutely no one. So West Virginia has no reason to win this game, and that's exactly why they're going to win this game. I think the Mountaineers win 38-37.
1: Mm, that's an interesting pick, and, you know, I think you're right. It is the most West Virginia thing ever, and uh, maybe it'll – uh, I don't know. Maybe
0: maybe, little... maybe maybe we're sitting down here in a in in a few days here saying somehow some way West Virginia shocked the world. Um, game information: it will be on ESPN at noon. Uh, homecoming, come out score the Mountaineers if you guys want. Um, I have no reason or no stake in this, so do what you want. Uh, I'm just doing my job here. So, uh, hopefully, true fan and come out. Hopefully, Milan's rocking. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, it's, hopefully, it's a good time. And hopefully, if you're a Mountaineer fan, the Mountaineers win. But we will have to see. So that is it for today. If you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker. If you like this content and want to see more, read more, and be sure to head over to BlueGoldSports.com. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. And this is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast.